Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC.
afternoon. This is Diva JC here in Chile, Atlanta. It's 42 degrees here, which is probably 25 degrees higher than it is in most places. But for some reason, it's cold. (laughs) And I've just about had enough. I'm sure people with the snow have had enough, too. You were just listening to my composition, Jazz Hotline, which I call my band. And it's also a call to all musicians to come on, let's listen to some jazz. This day is very special because as the founder of Women in Jazz South Florida, I'm always interested in talking to other women who have founded organizations around women musicians. And Celine Bosch is that woman. You can read about her on the show page. We're going to bring her in. Hi, Celine. Hey, Joan. How are you? I'm terrific. You sound great. Thank you. And you're calling from Nashville. Yeah, he calls from Nashville, Tennessee, where it's cold. People think the South is warm, but it is not. No, we are under an ice storm, have been for about two weeks now. It's It's been pretty chilly. Mm-hmm. Well, spring is right around the corner, so we'll just um, remember that it is on its way. <laughs> Amen to that. Now, I want to get right into it. First, I would like to tell my listeners that, as you have told me, you are not a musician, but you've worked in the music industry as a marketing manager, marketing promotion manager, and um, that you worked for Media Play, a big box multi-entertainment retailer that promoted independent musicians, and that's where you got your uh, affinity for working with independent musicians. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, I'd be happy to. I um, hadn't had any real experience with big box retail or um, the music industry other than having booked travel for the music industry for many, many years. And then um, when I went to work for Media Play, I started to interact with not only the major music labels, but a lot of the independent music community here in Nashville. And in doing so, I spoke with a lot of independent musicians, a lot of which were female, and started finding out that there was really a need for um, opportunities for them to be able to promote themselves and get their music heard in the um, community, and that was lacking. So I decided that it was time to come forth and um, find the networking opportunities, and and so I coordinated with a few of my friends, and we, um, we started Women of Music, Music of Women, and this was back in 2000. And we started to offer a lot of opportunities for women that weren't available at the time. We were really pioneers at that time because the Internet didn't have 
the same opportunities that it does now. There was no Facebook. There wasn't a YouTube. There there wasn't anything that, that now is readily available. But we were able to negotiate a lot of opportunities for them by creating a music label and finding a lot of retail stores that would permit them to place their merchandise in the store and get recognition. Point of purchase is very important. We were able to get a lot of networking opportunities for them, and um, we started up a a small newsletter that would get them uh, articles and publication. I came up with a lot of different networking opportunities where they could network with each other and oftentimes people in the music industry that they needed to um, network with. A lot of learning opportunities. We had a lot of conferences and I had the individuals that were in the music industry come in, attorneys, uh, A&R reps, marketing agents, um, all of those big music industry personalities could really help these women get themselves off the ground. And and a lot of them needed to just learn how to market and and how to market. And uh, and so these things really helped them. And uh, back then, like I said, we were really pioneers in in doing this, and we were very, very successful. We had uh, created chapters so that it could um, reach across the United States and not just in Nashville. We had chapters here in Nashville, obviously, in Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Um, We had Philadelphia and Seattle and New York. We even had some international branches in South America and Brazil and Italy, Australia, and the U.K. jumped on board with us. So it became very, very successful very quickly. We, We very quickly realized the need for such a organization, and we were very happy with the um, ability to be able to showcase these women and and help them to network and grow their careers. And did you have a membership? We had a membership, yes. We had quite a bit of a membership. We had over 1,000 members in the organization when you take in effect all of the chapters that we had. Um, We had over 1,000 members in the um, organization, and that's what made it so successful because these women were able to all network with each other. Um, And, you know, they would hold monthly meetings in these places, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. They would all have monthly meetings, and the turnout sometimes was larger and sometimes it was smaller. But these women had an opportunity to meet each other and network with each other and, and, you know, establish friendships and form bonds, and learn from each other, which was really the, the the great thing because so many of them were experiencing the same challenges and frustrations, and this gave them an outlet to express what they were going through and um, share those feelings and, and learn from other people and, and find new paths that they could um they could go on. 
Okay, and when did you dissolve and why? Well, unfortunately, I had to dissolve the, the organization in 2004. Um, my father became ill and then passed away, and then I um, was taking care of my mother, and it just became, unfortunately, although it was a labor of love, it just became too much for me to handle having to be a caregiver to my mother and um, support in many ways, you know, over a thousand members. I, I would get hundreds of emails every day from these wonderful, fantastically talented ladies asking questions and, and asking for information, and I would research opportunities. And it was a lot of work that I put into it, and, and I did it wholeheartedly out of love and passion for it. But in 2004, it just became to be too much having to be a caregiver for my mother, and I had to really put that in the forefront. And how did you moderate the um, monthly meetings in the different cities? Did you how did you, how did you organize or maintain that? Well, I coordinated. Each city had a women of music coordinator a representative in that city that had to work under our guidelines. And I worked very closely with these women. Um, we spoke by phone. We, you know, emailed each other. Back then, texting and cell phones weren't really around on the way they are now. But we stayed in constant communications, and I gave them guidelines to follow and um, a structure, and that's what they did. They would have these meetings, and, you know, sometimes they would have them at an individual's home. Sometimes they would do it at a local restaurant or coffee house. Um, there were a couple of ladies that were lucky enough to have people sponsor and, and give them, like, a meeting area. So it was just a lot of coordinating with them and they would take pictures of the meetings and then they would have the notes that they would send me on what it is that they did and what the outcomes were and what ideas were presented, what challenges were presented. And then with that, I would work on, you know, finding other opportunities for, you know, for these ladies um, based on they you know, what they would say their concerns or, or challenges were. Okay, and so when you were unable to carry on, there was no one that could step into your shoes? Well, I, you know, to be honest with you, Joan, um, it was my baby, so to speak, um, and I didn't really want to release the reins to anybody and there wasn't anybody that was willing to take on the amount of work that the organization required to maintain it. It was something that I conceptualized. It was my vision. And it's very difficult to hand it over to somebody else that doesn't have the same vision that you have and expect them to put in the amount of time and, and work that you've put into it. So for a short time, a couple of the um, 
chapters continued on and, and had, you know, a few more meetings, but there wasn't the guidance. I wasn't there to give them that structure. I wasn't there to give them the guidance that they needed. And so eventually, you know, it just really, for the lack of a better word, fell apart. Mm. Interesting. This is this is very interesting because I'm we're in our eighth year and I try mm-hmm. to keep this third person, but it really is first person, and right. I'm weary. So, you know, it's almost like the universe sent you me or sent me you to say uh-huh. uh, you're not alone. You know, because yeah. sometimes I do feel like I'm alone. However, I want to ask you, as far as the business skills, you know, there are soft skills and there are hard skills in business. Did you find that the majority of the women knew their musical skills, but they were lacking in business skills? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was something that we really tried to highlight for them and help them. And that was part of the networking opportunities. When we had conferences, they had the opportunity to come in and, you know, sometimes there were panels of speakers and they had an opportunity to listen to these speakers and speak with them and ask questions about how to handle the business side because, that was really, and I think it still remains a a problem because they do know the musical aspect of it, but they don't know the business aspect of it. And it is very different, and it's the business side that will either make or break their careers. I did write. Okay, I have a theory, and let me know how you feel about my theory. Okay. Men are raised in a teamwork environment. Yeah. They work in teams and sports and in jobs. Women right. are raised in individual environments where they clean house, they do homemaking. If they are on a team, they're usually not the leaders. They are the leaders. They have challenges with the with the other people because they are a woman. So the first, actually the last aspect of my research is about teamwork. And so I believe that not being team workers is a big part of the problem. How do you feel about that? Well, I have to agree with that on on some levels. Um, I I feel that in the past, um, it was much more evident that women were not part of a team. And I think over time, I mean, less um, individualized. Women are more out in the workforce but they still lack some of the skills that the men do. And, and believe me, I'm totally for women's rights and 
and I, I want to see us come so much further. But we do have some roadblocks. We are not recognized for the skills that we possess. Um, you know, it's not even just the equal pay situation, which women still make 70 cents on the dollar, you know, that men make. It's the fact that you could put two college graduates side by side with the same experience and the men will be recognized much quicker than the women will. And and the same thing, and that's part of what's happened, I think, in the music industry as well. Um, there are some wonderfully talented female artists out there that have made a name for themselves. But, you know, when you look at the percentages of women artists versus men, the men still outshine the women. Even, you know, funny enough, I mean, sometimes I watch – you know, American Idol, and you look at the percentage of men that win versus the percentage of women that win. So it's, it is. I, I have to agree with you. And part of what we were trying to do is educate women on the business side of it to be able to break that stigma and be able to give them the tools to go out there and compete on an equal level with you know, with the men. And um, the only way to do that is to continue to push forward and and gather the women together and stand up together, you know, shoulder to shoulder with them and help them to learn and to acquire the skills that they need to have. Um, and I, I think we've come... You know, we've come a, a long distance, but we have much further to um, to travel on that. Okay, economically, um, we, Donna and Musica did a report, the We Must Report. That's how you mm-hmm. and I met through Donna and right. Musica. And right. um, the report shows that women benefit from public funding less than 11%. So funding, I think, you know, it's hard to to always get back to the bottom line, which is money. But funding right. seems to be a huge problem. Is it that women don't go after the funding or women are not recognized and valued, therefore they don't get the grants or when they do get the grants, they don't involve other women. You know, there are so many questions about it. And I'm a grant writer. And Uh in the beginning of this organization, for the first two years, I couldn't even write grants. Then for the next three years, I got every grant that I wrote. And then Mm -hmm. when the funding, you know, was really limited, I was right. getting less and fewer and fewer grants. Also, right. when you look at the awards that are given for, like, the NEA Jazz Master Award, out of 136 awardees, only 18 women got that $25,000 honorarium. What are the reasons for this? I mean, women pay taxes equally. 
Right. Why don't they get the funding equally? You know, Joan, that's a wonderful question, and I wish I had the proper answer to it because that was a problem that we ran into as well. I I think it's because, unfortunately, our society still does not take women seriously in a business role, and to request funding for an organization or for a music venture, I don't think that the grantors are, are seeing us as as potentials. I think they still look at women as being mentors and mothers and wives and I don't think they recognize us as business individuals and so they don't want to invest the money and and again this is my opinion I don't have any statistics or or hardcore numbers to, to be able to present to you but in my opinion I think when they look at giving a grant to a woman for something or to a man, they feel that, well, what if this woman suddenly gets, if she isn't married, what if she gets married and has children? She's not going to be able to pursue this venture that she's requesting funding for. Whereas with men, they've always been the breadwinners and they don't have the responsibilities of being home and taking care of children, much less giving birth to children. So I think maybe that's still a partial mindset of of our society, and that's what hinders um, women so much. Well, this is exactly why our organization is calling for a symposium on women in the arts on August the 4th of this year in Washington, D.C., And off the show, I want to talk to you more about that because you seem to have insight that is parallel with my insight due to the fact that, you know, we're both founders of organizations that do exactly the same thing. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me, and I want you to continue to, uh, if you have any ideas, send me an email you know, mm-hmm. that, sure. that can help because I'm going to keep this organization alive. We are yep. in 11 countries, and we have 285 members, 286 now. And mm-hmm. um, I believe that your experience can help us move forward. So I'll be knocking on your email door. <laughs> okay. And let's okay. talk again. And thank you for the work that you have done for women musicians. With You know, I really appreciate it because I know the time that it takes to keep an organization like this alive. It does. And, Joan, thank you for recognizing my efforts. And more so, thank you for the efforts that you yourself have put forth and kept yourself going for as long as you have because having been in your shoes, so to speak, I know how difficult it is. I know how much time it takes. I know how much funding is needed to keep you going and the lack of the funding that's there. So my 
hat is off to you, and I think that we're both very capable of doing some wonderful things, and I would very much like to to hear from you and, and you know, help you keep this organization going. It's, it's a necessity for not only the industry, but for the women in the industry. So let's get out there, put our heads together, and, and make something happen for these wonderfully talented ladies out there. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was Celine Bosch, and you'll be hearing more from Celine. I'm going to play my song, Making Love to You. I took the opportunity to play my music today. And uh, next week, we have a very special guest, Bickley Rivera, who has a new CD that we'll be promoting. So here's Making Love to You.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 